Hey there friends, I'm so delighted you're here with me today. Let me tell you a little bit about what's going on. I know bonus episode is a thing in the podcasting world, but I'm calling this a side episode and here's why, here's the story. So some girls in my church, we just started studying the book of Romans together and I realized, hey, I'm generating all this content for my Romans Bible study. Why don't I combine it with what I'm doing on my podcast? And that'll accomplish like I have three goals on this. Number one, um, if someone misses my Thursday morning Bible study, I can send them over here. They can catch up and not feel like they missed anything. Number two, if there's a girl in my church who really wants to join in but can't make it on Thursday, maybe they could just jump in here and at least get a tidbit of what we're studying. It's a lot more fun to be there in person around the Word of God fellowshipping together, but this will be at least, it'll be something they can join in on. And then um, maybe... If you don't even know me or of Faith Baptist Church of Cherokee Road, that's my that's my church. Um, if you don't know my church or you haven't even met me, you can still consider yourself invited to pull up a virtual chair and study Romans along with me. So um, I'm going to keep these episodes pretty basic. I'm just going to go over the questions I, I asked the ladies at my Bible study and then um, kind of give you a quick synopsis of what we talked about and just hopefully give you um, some guidance through the book of Romans. If you are in a particular, I get it, like when I go to listen to podcasts, I have to be in a certain mood to listen to a certain podcast. So um, if this isn't quite your vibe for today, like you're not going to hurt my feelings if you skip all the Romans episodes, but um, maybe if you're looking for a place to go in your personal devotions, you can study Romans along with me and my friends. Um, And I'll include some of the questions in the what are they called like show notes i've never used the word show notes on my episode wow we're getting really fancy here guys now i have show notes (laughs) um if you'd like to i'll make them available to you um i still have topical episodes planned and coming up but um these little side episodes are gonna take you through the book of romans along with my ladies we're only doing um chapters one through eight so i'll probably only do eight episodes on the book of romans but um you can jump in here if you'd like. So, here we go. Uh, I asked the girls if they would read through Galatians 1, 11 through 16 to get kind of the backstory on Paul. Paul wrote the book of Romans, and he has a beautiful conversion story, and I want to read Galatians 1, 11 through 16 to you. It says, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age, among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. And he goes on to um, talk about his discipleship process. So I love this account of Paul's conversion story because he talks about how he was both religiously zealous and thought that he was doing God a huge favor by snuffing out this new Christianity thing. He was, what does it say, violently opposed. He was trying to destroy the church. He was the guy you'd look at and be like, yeah, 
never getting saved. And yet, he was a very good person, air quotes. Um, he was really excited about what he thought was true. He was uh an example of how good a person can seem externally, yet how internally they can be opposed to the ways of God and the ways of Christ. Um, all of us, whether we are overtly um, rebels or quiet hypocrites, we all need the gospel. We all need forgiveness from our sin, and the gospel can go to anyone. It can change anyone. And the Apostle Paul is a beautiful example of that. That was how I thought we should um, open our study to the book of Romans, was reading how God worked out uh, Paul's conversion. A really exciting story. Jumping into verse 1 through 7, um, Paul says, uh, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 1 through 7 is what we would call the salutation of the letter. It's like the opening greeting, the hello, and it's very long. And Paul can't really help himself. He just right from the start, he um, extra extrapolates, I'm going to I just picked a big word that I really didn't think about. He uh, explains the gospel right away, right off the bat. He can't get very far without um, gushing about who Jesus is and how he can save the world. Uh, it would be really easy to stay camped in verse 1 through 7, but um, we're going to keep going because we have a lot to do in chapter 1. So I wanted to make sure I had time to hit some of those themes. I do love how Paul mentions even in the opening, that Jesus was the promised one of the Old Testament. He uh, recognizes that Jesus is the Son of God. He mentions the resurrection. He mentions the responsibility he feels to bring this good news to all the nations. I've already noticed walking through Romans that it has it has this leveling effect. All throughout the book, you hear Jew, Gentile, Greek, uh, Jew. And then you hear circumcision, uncircumcision, Greek, and barbarian. You have all these, um, you know, we divide people up into all these groups and our labels that we tend to give people are so divisive. And yet Paul is so gifted at bringing out how no matter who you are, what group you belong to, what label you have, you need Christ. The gospel brings us all to even footing at the foot of the cross. It is a beautiful thing. So I asked my ladies to look at verses 8 through 15 and see what they could learn about the church in Rome. Let me read them to you. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, 
that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation, both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to the foolish, so I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. So what do you learn about the church um, in Rome here? You learn that they had a strong faith that was widely recognized. Um, Paul, at this point, had yet to meet them. He had tried to go to Rome, but he was hindered. Which, let me just stop and say, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Paul had to write Romans? Because if he had been there in person and had delivered his message face to face, so um, that may have been sweeter for Paul and the church, it would have left us without the book of Romans. Uh, it's kind of its own rabbit trail, but God's sovereignty accomplishes big things. You might be frustrated by something you'd like to do but can't. God might be working out something way bigger than you, and you don't even know it. So trust his plan. Trust his plan, because like I said, if he had made it to Rome, who knows? We may not have had the book of Romans. Now, Paul did eventually make it to Rome. He actually died in Rome, but um, at the time that he wrote the book of Romans, he hadn't been there yet. So um, you, we find that he was eager to be an encouragement to the Romans, um, and he was eager to be encouraged by them. I love verse 11 through 12. It sounds like it belongs on a greeting card. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Isn't that lovely? Mutually encouraged. And that's what happens when Christians get together. Uh, you end up strengthening each other's faith, even though you both might be um, in different places with your walk in the Lord. Um, you can be a mutual encouragement to each other. We find that Rome was a very diverse city. Um, the word barbarians is kind of a, I guess you could say, it, it's not a great word in our language, but here it's kind of just referring to the Greeks who were educated and the barbarians would represent those who were uneducated. So socioeconomic differences. Um, he is eager to preach the gospel to anyone who will listen. But that kind of highlights the diversity in the city of Rome. And, um, you know, when I look on my anchor pot, like the anchor stats, there's actually one person in the United Kingdom who listens to this. And guys, I only have like 18 listeners. So you in the United Kingdom, thank you. This is exciting. For the rest of us in America, we live, I don't really know what England is like, but America is an extremely diverse place with, especially right now, where the, the differences in socioeconomic and race and uh, feminism it just highlights I don't know. Americans seem to love to talk about the differences, and that's a whole nother episode. But um, Rome probably had some of the same diversity that Americans would find in their towns. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, Romans 1, 16 through 17, that's the next section we're going to look at real quick. I asked my girls to describe Paul's attitude and sharing the gospel, and I asked... How does this attitude compare to the overall attitude of the Christian church? So Paul says, this is a very famous verse, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Here's, here's the diversity again. The Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. 
Paul is excited to share the gospel and he doesn't care who you are. He knows you need it and he wants to tell you about it. How does that compare to the overall attitude of the Christian church? I'll let you decide that for yourself. I know that very frequently. Um, I am ashamed of the gospel. I don't, I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. The gospel, in order for someone to um, learn that they need about Christ, they have to learn that they have a need. And that means you have to tell them that they're sinners, that God is angry with them, that they need to escape. They need to be rescued. And that message is really hard to hear. It makes enemies very quickly. Yet, it is the righteousness of God that is that it reveals. Let me just go right back to the verse because I'm murdering it. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. I read in the New American Commentary to say that the gospel is power is to acknowledge the dynamic quality of the gospel. God is actively at work in reaching out to the hearts of people. I just loved that word. The dynamic quality of the gospel. I think the terminology in verse 17 is interesting. Um, I had to kind of unearth in a commentary, what does it mean from faith for faith? Basically, Paul is trying to explain that faith starts the Christian walk and it leads to more faith. And I'm sure you found that to be true in your own walk with God. If you've trusted him for salvation, you find yourself learning to trust him more because different scenarios throughout your life will demand that instead of trusting yourself and your own wisdom, you have to turn to him for his wisdom and his guidance. Um, so faith begets faith. <laughs> Paul snags a phrase from Habakkuk 2.4 in the Old Testament to explain that righteousness is, and as we'll see later in chapter 4, it always has been acquired by faith. Um, if you're chomping at the bit to kind of talk about like, wait, in the New Testament, it's by faith, and in the Old Testament, it's by faith, because it sure seems like things are way different. Um, Paul, uh, he uses the example of Abraham in chapter 4 to talk about how um, salvation has always been by faith, that a person can never earn their own righteousness. They always have to have faith in the, sac uh, in the substitute that God has provided for their sin. And um, we'll see that again in Romans 4. You must have faith in the revelation God gave you. Um, that's where I'm going to wait to explain it a little bit further when we get to um, chapter 4. But if you're chomping at the bit and trying to figure that all out, just hold your horses. Um, Romans 1, 18 through 22, that's the next section that we're going to look at. Uh, and things are about to get really bleak here, but I think it is important <clears throat> to grasp how dire our situation is. We find ourselves, every single one of us, we're really bad. We're sinners. And the gospel will glisten brightest against the dark backdrop of our sin, right? It is so easy to look into the word of God and decide that so-and-so really needed to hear that sermon today. Or, wow, that person could really stand to memorize this verse because, boy, have they got a problem with XYZ. And yet, the word of God is supposed to be a mirror, like we're supposed to see our own selves in it. Um, and Romans 18 through 32 through the end talks about some really ugly stuff. And it's really tempting to point the finger outward and be like, oh yeah, our culture is so bad. There are so many sinners in this world and completely miss that. No, Romans 1 is talking about me. Left to myself, I will 
end up in a really, really dark place. But if we never feel our need for Christ, we'll never find him. We really need that. I think of the um, story, I I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, where the woman comes to Jesus and she's just broken and crying and um, washing his feet with her hair. And Jesus says, or they ask him, like, don't you know what kind of woman that is? Like, she's, she's not a good girl. And he says to them, like, she's been forgiven much. She will love much. We need to realize how much we've been forgiven for so that we can love the grace that is in the gospel with more depth. I want to love Jesus as much as I possibly can, don't you? In order to do that, you really have to find out what he says about you, how desperately that you need him. So as you dive into these, uh, this last part of Romans, don't be afraid to say, that's me. That's not just someone else, that's me. All right, let's go. You ready? It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So I asked the ladies, what do believers, or excuse me, what do unbelievers do uh, with God's revelation of truth? Romans 1 makes it very clear that if you just look outside your window, it's pretty easy to see that someone had to make all of this. It couldn't have just come out of nowhere. Someone has to be in charge, even if um, I do not believe that evolution evolution, um, is the correct explanation for how this all got here. But even if it was true, there's no explanation for how the raw materials that made up our world, they couldn't have just appeared out of nowhere. Something bigger than it all had to come up with it, right? That's obvious. It's clearly perceived according to Romans 1. And just a little side note, I think it's good for Christians to enjoy nature because we do know the creator. Um, Creation does teach us things about God. You look outside, wow, this is a beautiful place. It must have a creator who values beauty. Uh, There's lots of laws to nature. It's, um, though it's cursed, certainly. We'll see that in Romans 8. It's a mess. Yet there's still a sense of order. Um, We must have a God who's in control. Um, Wow, this universe is big. Even if you could think of the end of the universe, you have to ask yourself, like, well, what's beyond the end? It just blows your brain, right? (laughs) We must have a God who's infinite, who keeps on going, who's bigger than all all of infinity. Something has to be bigger than all of this, because all of this didn't just come out of nowhere, right? Um, And the Bible says that everyone knows this, yet sometimes uh, people choose, and left to ourselves, we will always choose to shove it, to press it, to pretend like it doesn't exist. You know, like when you're trying to get your leftovers to fit in the container, and you misjudged, and you didn't get a container big enough, and you're trying to like shove the lid on, you're like 
spaghetti fit in the Tupperware. Um, I don't know if that's a great illustration of what the Greek word first suppressed is at first, but that's what I that's what I think of where you're trying to just shove the truth away. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to have anything to do about it. Instead, I'm going to come up with my own explanations for how this all got here, and um, I'm going to call myself wise. But actually, what's happening is I'm not thanking God. And I'm not honoring him, and I'm deciding to go my own way. And what's going to happen? Uh, I'm going to think of myself as wise, but I'm going to end up with a foolish and darkened heart. And that's what we see. Um, one of the girls very insightfully pointed out that even as a Christian, she had to be really careful that she was honoring the Lord and giving him thanks in her thoughts because without a... Um, Without the habit of honoring and thanking God, she realized that her thinking would turn to darkness and foolishness. And I thought that was really insightful that she, um, even as a Christian who does honor and recognize God and give him thanks, she felt that that needed to be a um, continuing pattern in her life because thanking him and honoring him is the way to abundant joy. Otherwise, we end up in darkness. So um, that can be a truth that's a little bit hard to swallow, especially if you don't want it to be true, but... It is. God is God. He's in charge and we don't like it. We want to be so very frequently. Um, we will just pretend like his way doesn't exist and come up with our own way. Okay. Romans 1, 24 through 28 says this. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So Paul gives us an example of the flagrant suppression of truth in um, sexual sin. When unbelievers ignore God, uh, pretend like the way he created things, even things as basic as sexuality, man, woman, when they just pretend like that order doesn't exist when they refuse to recognize God and refuse his rules about sexuality, um, when they don't give him thanks and they come up with their own way of doing things, they end up in places of darkness like sexual sin, such as homosexuality. And um, that's not a very popular message today, but it's what the Bible says. And um, my heart goes out to the LGBTQ community, but I cannot deny that God has said that being a man means something and being a woman means something and that he created an order for how things ought to be and when we ignore that order and um, we just do what we want to do and make our feelings our God, we end up in bad places. And um, while homosexuality is being normalized in our culture, I am very frightened to think that um, the way people feel that sexuality should be is now guiding our actions because I'm very frightened for the day when people feel like they're attracted to children like and and that might seem really offensive to you but 
if your feelings are your God, like where does it stop? Someone has to draw the line somewhere and the line's just getting pushed and pushed. So I just think this, if we don't make God our God and we make our feelings our God, it's just going to end up in insanity. And um, that really frightens me, but God's grace is big and we know that it is bigger than um, dark, dark sin. So we don't have to be afraid to call sin, sin. And um, we don't have to be afraid that his grace isn't going to cover bad people. Um, The gospel is available to you all. Don't forget that while you are bogged down in this chapter. It's almost like you can't forget the ending of the story. (laughs) There is hope. See yourself, see your sin so that you can rejoice in the grace of Christ. Um, Don't shove it away. (laughs) Own it. In fact, um, I had never really studied verse 28 through 32. I've read Romans several times, but um, let me read it to you real quick, and I'll tell you about this kind of revelation I had. Um, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. (laughs) Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Okay. So, um, wow, that's a list. (laughs) I kind of was reading that this week and studying it, and I'm like, whoa, I'm on the list. How did I get on the list? Uh, I've gossiped before. Uh, I've been disobedient to my parents before. Uh, I've been haughty and proud before. I have slandered. I have told lies. I'm on the list. (laughs) I know God's grace but I do want to see myself Um, kind of zoom out here for a second. Um, Remember earlier in the chapter, Paul talked about how they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Um, They worshiped the creator and, or excuse me, the creature instead of the creator. They exchanged the glory of God for mortal elements. So these exchanges, that truth for the lie, it is essential if we're going to actually see our sin for what it is. And here's what I mean by that. Let me ask you this question. Um, let's take the sin of gossip because it's on the list. <laughs> okay. How is the sin of gossip a truth lie exchange or a lie truth exchange? Well, God says that my friend is made in his image, that he loves her dearly, and that she is valuable. But she does something that irritates me. And so I turn around. And I say something nasty about her behind her back. Maybe I even say it nicely, like, so-and-so needs prayer. Um, What I have done is ignored the truth that she's a beautiful image bearer of God. And I've exchanged it for a lie that I'm better than her and deserve to exalt myself at her expense. And that is essentially what the sin of gossip is. It is exchanging what God has said about a person for a lie that we're better than them. And you could trace this um, pattern all throughout the list. Uh, Let's just do another one. Uh, Let's do covetousness because we don't struggle with that, do we? Um, So how is covetousness 
covetousness a truth lie exchange i am taking the truth um god says that i have everything i need and that i need to be content with it and that he will supply my needs and i decide "Mm, i really don't have enough i need more in fact i need what she has in fact i am so in need of what she has that i am just going to get bitter about it and consume myself with what i want because God didn't give me what I needed. I need more. I'm taking the truth and I am exchanging it for a lie. Um, this exchange, the truth lie exchange, is key for um, mortifying the sin in our life. If you're struggling with something, you got to figure out like what lie am I believing and what is the truth? Because um, sin sounds fun and uh, evil is at work in this world and is trying to convince us that it is the way to happiness, but it's not you got to figure it out. What is the lie and what is the truth? So um, that is where I'm going to wrap up Romans 1. Kind of a clunky landing there, sorry. Um, in the next chapter, though, if you want to start reading Romans 2, I'll try to release um, the next Romans 2 episode probably next Saturday. Uh, in the next chapter, you're going to get slammed again. It's real fun. Um, and you're going to find that whether you have a rich religious heritage or you've grown up completely disconnected from spirituality, everybody is in desperate need of the gospel. We will see the human tendency to fall into self-righteousness and self-deceit. Um, and that that tendency is just as destructive as some of the weightier sins listed in Romans 1. So, Um, I hope this little side project is an encouragement to you. Like I said, if you have plenty on your plate when it comes to dense exegetical study of the word of God, you're not going to hurt my feelings if you move on and stick with the lighter topical episodes. But if this is helpful to you, I'm glad you can pull up a chair at our virtual. I'm glad you can pull up a virtual chair at the table. I will see you next time.